uh, honored to have had the privilege of serving with our college and career students as we went to another country. That's right. We went up to Canada and wow. You know, what I could do is what I think a lot of times many of us pastors do is we want to kind of tell you everything that took place and try to somehow give you uh, our bird's eye view of what has taken place. And that's boring, right? That's pretty boring. So what I want to do instead is I want the other missionaries to be able to come up and to share with you their view of what took place uh, during this week. So what I'm going to do is kind of a little bit of an interview style. You'll see it's a little different up here. And so what I want to do is I want to call uh, our students to come up as we talk about just a few of the things that took place this week. The first thing I want to do is when I threw out a question with our students, how did you feel before the trip? Because a lot of times there's different anxieties, there's different thoughts of what that looks like. And then, oh, can we borrow one of the microphones from, thank you so much. Uh, and then, how did you feel afterwards? Kind of like that before and after feeling. So I asked uh, Tyler Stott would come up and just share uh, his feelings about the trip before and after. Go ahead, Tyler. So beforehand, you know, when you think of Canada, you just, it's like a, it's not really third world. It's when we went up there, it was a really nice neighborhood. I mean, houses started at like $500,000. So... You but don't it's really Canadian though, right? So yeah, well, that's more like three hundred thousand our yeah, money. So I mean, it's still pretty nice neighborhoods. But um, <laughs> going, you just kind of think, what else do they need? But then when you're sharing the gospel, and one kid looks at you and says, "You know, I want to believe, but if I do, my parents told me my God would send me to hell." I mean, they're missing the most important thing. So I guess going, you know, I really thought. Just, I was going to help, and they've already heard. They were just going just to help a sports camp, because they know about Jesus. I mean, who doesn't know about Jesus? But when you get there, and you hear stories like that, and they really don't know. So when, I mean, it's just crazy to me to think that there's a whole country just north of our border that's thriving, but they don't, they don't have what they need. That's, that's pretty phenomenal. So when you had the opportunity to go with the students and, and with the children and, and visit with them, you said in one of them you had a child that had no clue. Did you see in any way God at work in the hearts of any of these kids? Um, yeah, you could definitely. So there was two camps. So one was older kids and one was, but I won't get into that. But the older kids, you could definitely tell that they were starting to get it. They were starting to think about it and believe in it. And so the last day, Thursday... Um, we did like the whole presentation of the gospel. I mean, do you want to believe in stuff? And so there were kids that actually said they wanted to believe in stuff, and we prayed the prayer with them. Now, whether they'll get in the gospel, get in the word, they all got Bibles. So whether they stick to it, that's up to them, and we just pray for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any final thoughts you want to share with them about the trip? Um, when are we going back? <laughs> that's awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tyler. Really appreciate that. That is really, really good. And as you know, we did have some sports camp, sports camps that took place. Four days. It was intense. It was crazy. And so I asked if a few of them would also talk a little bit about the sports camps, what it was about, and what their experiences was. So if uh, those that want to talk about the sports camp, if you'd come on up right now. Awesome, awesome. And we'll kind of spread out so everyone can see our lovely faces. There we go. Awesome, awesome. 
All right, Lindsay, tell us a little bit about these camps. Um, so when I was asked to, when we were asked to speak about this week, um, a story stuck in my mind that I wanted to share with everybody. Um, so me and Jonathan helped with like the youngest of the young, like we had the littlest kids. Um, and so they were really hard to deal with because they didn't really understand. And, um, they just wanted to play with the soccers and the baseballs and they didn't really want to learn what we were teaching them. Um, but they had a lot of fun. Um, and so one of the kids really stuck out to me. Um, and one of the, sec- the stations we were at, um, his mom came up to me and was talking to me about how like good he was doing and how much she had been enjoying it and stuff. And, um, that she was really proud of him because this was the first thing that he had done since he had surgery. And so I was like, Oh, well like what surgery has he had? And, um, she said that he had to go through two different bone marrow transplants and he had to go through chemo. And so, and I had noticed that, like, he had, like, a bandage on his arm. And, you know, he was kind of shorter than the other kids and stuff. Um, and he was four years old. And so that really, like, just broke my heart for him. But he kept up with all the other kids. He had so much fun. And um, the very last day, he, his mom came up to me and was like, he talks about y'all every day when he comes home. And he has had just, like, the greatest week ever. So that story really stuck in my mind because... We can complain all day, like, it's hot outside. Oh, like, our kids are so difficult. Like, like are they actually learning about God? Like, are we doing anything? Um, but, like, at the end of the week, it was so, like, reassuring for that parent to come up to us and be like, he has so much fun. So, yeah. So much. Okay. So, we had two different camps that we did. We did a soccer camp, and then we did a t-ball camp. Um, and I was kind of nervous going into it because I know I have zero soccer knowledge. Um, so not only did I learn a little bit about soccer, but the kids learned some soccer drills and, um, some footwork and stuff. But, um, the soccer camp was, um, some older kids. It was like six years old to 11 years old. And the t-ball camp was, um, like three years old to six years old. So Lindsay had the three year olds, (laughs) but, um, like Tyler was saying, the older kids, we could really see their wheels turning and they were thinking about what we were telling them. And they were asking really, really good questions. Um, and so it was very encouraging to see that not only are they learning these sports skills that we're teaching them, but they're really learning about who Jesus is and what he did for us when he came and died for us on the cross. And it was just really exciting to see, yes, they're having a blast learning these sports, but we're also teaching them about Jesus. So it was really fun. Yeah. Um <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to do that right there. I'm so sorry. But no, um, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit how the camp was set up, and then I'll share a story that came from the camp. So the camp was set up like the first hour, hour and 15 minutes. Where they'd go around to different stations, learn a couple of skills. And then they'd have a little devotion time. Um, uh, one of the leaders of the camp would share a story about, uh, you know, just a different story from the Bible. And then on the last day, they shared a story, and then we'd, we'd split off into small groups, and uh, different leaders would, um, you know, ask some questions. Well, I tagged along in a small group with Emily and uh, another guy from the other church that was there. And uh, one of the kids there, uh, well, actually two of them, uh, was questioning their salvation a little bit. They didn't know for sure if they were saved. Well, it turns out I went and did a little one-on-one with the kid, and just was asking him a couple of questions. He was actually a Catholic. 
He was of the Catholic faith, and he didn't know if he was saved. Well, so I walked through the salvation process with him. I prayed with him, you know, did all that stuff. Well, at the end of the camp, his mom actually came up and was starting to talk to me. She came in a little hot, a little heated, but it was all right. Um, <laughs> she came in, and she was like, she's like, what in the world were you doing with Brock? And I was like, I was just, I was just talking with him, you know. And she actually said, well, he's already saved. And I was like, really? I was like, so when did he get baptized? And um, she was like, he got baptized at birth. And I was like, so do you believe he was saved at birth? And she said, yeah. She said, I believe he was saved when he was baptized. And, I mean, that just hit me hard. I'm like, how in the world can he believe that? Now, I didn't, you know, go into, like, trying to disprove her or anything. I just uh, just kept on talking to her. And then at the end, we prayed with her. And I think she was, I mean, truly broken. I don't know what happened. But I just want you all to know that in Canada, I mean, it's not like here where everybody, there's a church on every corner. There's very few churches, and many people don't know or they're confused about what they believe. So I just wanted to talk about sports camps a little more and small group. Like, you know, we, small group, I mean, sports camps are fun, but small groups are what we went up there for. And, you know, it's real encouraging, you know, talking about, like, God loved and loving other people and just seeing how, like, in the scrimmage, seeing, like, teammates show love and compassion and including other people. And, like, one of the, um, Thursday, the last day, we were just talking about we were playing in scrimmage, and a kid on the other team got hit in the face with the ball, and one of our teammates came up and said, hey, I'm going to go check on the, my opponent. And, like, that's felt encouraging, like, as young people to just do that, you know, and just, and small groups, like, they really got it. Like, we were hearing some really good questions. We had one girl talk about, ask a question, because we were talking about God and Jesus. And she said, um, how are God and Jesus the same person? And just knowing that, she wants to know all the answers and stuff. So that was really encouraging. Thank you. Um, during the uh, first camp, I didn't have basically an assignment. Uh, I guess they didn't trust me very well to break to not break the kid. But anyways. Um, Actually, I, had, I got to spend a lot of time uh, with this one kid in particular, but it was in the group uh, with uh, Andrew and Christy. And there was one student that just, uh, she just kind of melted my heart, uh, Melissa. Uh, would you mind just kind of sharing a little bit about kind of your overview of, of what you think God was doing in her life? Yeah. So, um, Melissa, I don't remember how old she was. I think she was probably eight or nine. But um, her and her sister Megan both just were really... Two of the main ones that were asking these questions and 
you could kind of tell that, you know, maybe they had heard of Jesus before and, and um, had kind of heard about him. But they were asking really, you know, deep questions about Jesus and how Jesus and God are the same person and um, just really, really good questions. And so I think for them especially, like, they are really thinking about, um, you know, Jesus and what he did for us and, and if that's something that they can believe. Um, and so it was really exciting just to kind of see how each day they had new questions and, and they really talked to us about um, this person that we're telling them about. And so it was really exciting just to see that they're interested in what we have to say about Jesus and they're responding well and they're asking questions. Um, and hopefully, you know, obviously we can pray for her and that she gets um, included in a church or something. I don't know if her parents go to church anywhere. Um, but just specifically pray for those kids and that they get into questioning. And, and, you know, questioning God is not necessarily a bad thing um, because if you're learning about who he is, it's okay to question, you know, things about him so that you're learning. And so I think it's great that they had these questions for us and that we could just share with them what we believe. And it was really, it was really exciting. Thank you guys so much for sharing. Really appreciate that. Uh, while we're here, we still got a few more things to talk about, but uh, one of the things that really uh, grabbed my heart about these kids is you got to understand a little bit about, about Canada. And I know I'm speaking in generalities here, but as a whole, uh, a lot of the older people in Canada that are really used to the traditionalism uh, of life, they view church this way. Church is a building. It's a very old building, and it's Catholic, all right? That's the way that they look at church. So a lot of the older people who are in Canada who've lived there all their life, whenever they think of church, they think of an established Catholic or an Episcopal church, and that's it. So whenever uh, a Southern Baptist church or a Canadian Baptist church wants to plant in an area because it is so expensive there, it'll cost a million dollars just for the property, That's not including the first uh, hammer, nail, or piece of wood, okay, in these communities because it's very wealthy communities. So we have to start in in home groups, okay? That's how they begin is in home groups. Well, the normal, traditional uh, Canadian views a home group as a cult. So not only do we have 95% of Canadians do not know Christ... Those that have some exposure, like through the Catholic Church or whatever the case may be, those people, the 5% left, those people look at Baptists as cults. So there's a lot that they've got to uh, climb, a lot of hills to climb over. But God is doing a phenomenal work through these camps because, as y'all remember, there's one lady in this Southwinds community. She's also kind of the eyes and the ears of everything. She's the one that puts out, in a nutshell, Facebook pages about, about uh, I keep saying Southwinds, Journey Church. All right? I keep saying Journey, too. It's Junction Church. They keep changing it so much. Yeah, we'll just go with that. But this lady, if she talks, people listen. And at the end of camp... She said, I am going to promote this thing to death. The people in our community, the thousands of homes that surround Junction Church need to know the type of people you are. And they need to get involved in your church. So that is an amazing praise about what is going on in that community. 
Now, oh, please go ahead, clap. God is good. God is so good. Now, speaking of Junction Church and different outreach efforts that they do have, I want to ask Jonathan if he would come up and others, if, if there's some others, and just kind of share with us a little bit about that. Uh, I'm not going to lie a bit. A little, a little bit. Uh, just, did I really? I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's all right. Um, I was just going to talk about um, basically after a long day of traveling Saturday and getting um, Sunday morning. Um, and um, it was just not really what I expected for church because it was just very small. But it was unbelievable how how much you could feel God there, um, and just how everybody gave a hundred percent mentally and physically um, to worship, and um, it really just blew my mind. Um, and then, of course, I was going to talk about how important the camps were because they really push um, the outreach. And you know, we had four kids on Sunday morning um, in the younger group, and a couple more in the olders. But for the camps, we had. Um, capped out for all the camps, which was uh, for, the, for the specific camp we were at, was 50 kids. And just knowing that the church was willing to spend their time and money into um, investing in the kids um, and were willing to stand out in the hot sun all day long and um, just invest in them with the Bible story and just kind of make it fun for them it just really was really impressive to me and um, that's that's about it like scott said um most churches are established catholic churches in canada and the church we worked with junction church was the absolute opposite um on sunday morning we got there and we were actually in a building that they rented so we were able to move church in that building we were moving chairs moving in sound systems um just their projectors. And that was really neat for me just to know, okay, the Lord is working even though they don't have a building, that they are having church, that they're making the gospel known, and they're making a difference in this community without what we would call a church. Um, So Tyler and I actually had the opportunity to lead worship for them on Sunday morning and worshiping with those people who were this kind of church who most people viewed as a cult is not a popular thing. These people who were there truly wanted to be there, loved the Lord, and loved worship. And that was a different experience for me, just getting to um, lead worship with people who loved the Lord like that. Um, And there were different ethnicities. There were um, very different types of people. And in my brain, which I know is so small in comparison to this, I was like, I think this is a little bit what heaven's going to be like. Um, And Scott preached that morning just a message of encouragement in church. He didn't ask me to do this. Um, But I just want to tell you how thankful you need to be for your pastor. Um, He really, really, I'm so thankful for him, but the way he encouraged that church that morning, um, you need to be thankful you have a man leading your church like him. Um, Steal your thunder. We're good. Now, uh, you did mention, I want to just ask, um, t- 
tell me a little bit about the makeup of the church and the community out there. When you guys were out there in the camps and on Sunday morning, it was just a whole bunch of white people, huh? Uh, definitely not. Um, it was everybody. I mean, it was just, they were all different kinds of people there. And they were all on fire for soccer or t-ball and God. And um, just, that's about, that's about all I got to say for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when we were at Banff also, all these places, tell me a little bit about the melting potness. I know that's not a word, but the melting potness of, of Canada and just the little part that you guys have seen. So, like I said, the church was made up of a lot of different people, but everywhere we went, you heard different languages, you um, saw different ethnicities. It was really neat just how, um, like Scott said, it was kind of a melting pot. There was just a bunch of different types of people in this one country that we got to encounter this week. That's awesome. And uh, whenever I think about um, partnering with a church, now we haven't yet partnered with Junction Church yet, and it's something that I want us to be in very much prayer for Whenever I think about partnering, and us as a church, giving money uh, to a missionary or to a, a church, whatever the case may be, there are two things that I think are absolutely important. Number one, do they have a culture of discipleship? Basically, uh, if any of these kids get saved, okay, in these camps, what do you think is going to happen to them? What do y'all think is going to happen to them? I think definitely Junction Church would reach out to their family, reach out to them, and make sure they got plugged in. Absolutely. It's about making disciples, right? Isn't that our heartbeat? Well, if, in, if we're going to do any kind of mission work, I want to be sure that if, if, even if one person gets saved, that there is a church there, there's a pastor, there's a community, there's a small group that will go alongside that person and be able to, to truly make disciples of them, allow them to become all that God wants them to be. As much as it is exciting to hear about going or hearing about missionaries who go and they share the gospel and a thousand people come to know Christ, but zero of them are discipled, that breaks my heart. Because as we know, when someone comes to know Christ, that's not the end, is it? That's the beginning. The second thing, okay, number one, they have to have a discipleship culture. If I want to support that missionary, second thing, I want to have boots to the ground. Okay, I want to have a, a, uh, a partnership with a missionary or a missions group that will allow us the privilege and the opportunity to go and serve alongside them, to help them, to encourage them, and to be able to do the work. Do you think that, that this type of um, church will meet those two qualifications? Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate your heart, man. Now, we could literally, we can talk for weeks about the things that we got to experience with the church, the things that we got to experience uh, with the children, and to see them inch closer, okay? There's not going to be a lot of major leaps here, okay, because of uh, the fears that they have, because of uh, the culture that everything looks good, okay? Everything looks good on the outside. They got nice $500,000 to a $1 million houses, they have nice cars, but many of them have empty homes, all right, because it's all about uh, the show. All right, inside their hearts are breaking. So many kids come from broken homes. I had, I would call it the opportunity. It did not feel that way at first. But the very first camp, the very first five minutes in camp, I had to chase a kid and stop him from running out in the middle of the road. Okay, and this child, come to find out, 
uh, he's come from a recently very broken home. And he has had a lot of problems in the past. And I was nervous because they said in training, do not, you know, for safety reasons, so the parents don't think anything strange. Uh, if the kid hugs you, you can hug them back. But do not put kids in your lap and all that kind of stuff because, you know, they're, they're, that could look a little strange. And so and within the first five minutes, I'm tackling a kid on a soccer field. <laughs> Way to go me. But... Uh, but I had the opportunity that week to really build a relationship with him, his sisters, and his mom. And she was able to tell me what, at, by the end of the week, what I meant to that kid. It just blew my mind. We can go and tell you story after story. But I want to tell you something else. One of my prayers on this camp was not only that we would go out onto the mission field and we'd be able to be a blessing to not only the church but also the community. My prayer, and they know this from the beginning, my prayer was that God would send us there for us. There is something that God wants to do in our lives as well. And one of the things that just highlighted to me this event, this trip, was our small groups. Those that wanted to share about our small group experience, would you please uh, come forward? It was awesome. We got the opportunity to speak on the kingdom of God, what that looks like through various parables. And uh, I'm going to be telling you, that was one of the highlights uh, of this whole week for me. I don't want to begin. Kelsey. So, yes, we did do small groups. Um, every night, we, as a church, got together, um, just our small group. Um, and we got together at different locations. And I think it really is a good example of that church can happen anywhere. It would happen in a Tim Hortons, which is a little restaurant. Or it would happen on the side of this mountain where we took this picture. Um, or it would happen in an apartment somewhere. Um, but we just had a time to get together and, you know, really dive into the word and do what small group is. You know, Scott would tell the story. We would rebuild the story. We would read it from the Bible again. Um, and, yes, I, I prayed all week that we changed some lives while we were there. But if we planted seeds for them, our lives were changed, I think. Um, you know, if you want to feel convicted, get in a small group with this guy. Like, he will just roast you alive. Um, so it was awesome, though, because, and it really, it gave us a time to be vulnerable with each other. And a lot of times, especially as, like, young adults, we, we aren't very vulnerable with each other. Um, like, we're all friends, and we goof off, and we have a good time. But um, we could get together and tell a story and say, you know, I'm this person in this story. I'm the... I'm the person who left the man on the side of the road. Um, I wasn't the good Samaritan because of this. Um, and so it was a time for us to, you know, really identify our weaknesses with each other and give us a time to build each other up. And that was, that was really what small group was about. Um, well, I'm going to speak about the small group. Small group with the, the guys. We, uh, Scott said something about, Right after uh, we had the big small group, he said something about having a small group for just the guys. And there was a few of us, we kind of like, we, we thought about it and we were like, maybe he's joking, but we're going to say something about it. And then we said something and he was like, well, we'll meet and go to Tim Horton's at 7 in the morning. We were like, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> but we got up and we went and we had small group and there were people looking at us and we were like, what are they? What are they doing here? And uh, we had our small group, and we we talked about God and spoke about God for about an hour or so. And uh, we really, it really touched. It touched me. I I feel like I can speak for all the guys on that. That it, the, the small group really spoke to us. And um, 
there were there was we just had a few over the week and it was a really great experience. Um, so I just want to talk about the girls for a second. Um, we didn't actually have like small like small group small group like we didn't go anywhere and like tell a Bible story and whatever. Um, but I just want to talk about how close like the group of girls got because we had we got to stay in a host home. So it was just the five of us, like, in a basement, like, all the time. So if we weren't with the whole group, we were just us girls together. Um, and I was, I'm close with Kelsey and Christy, and, like, we've hung out with Emily and Cassie before, but this week, I'm just so thankful for it because I'm so thankful for the relationships that we got to have with the kids at the camps and with all of us together. But those girls, yeah, I just love y'all. And so I'm very thankful. Um that we got to get so much closer this week and really get to know each other um, better and be more intentional with our friendships. So I'm really excited. I just want to say thank you guys so much for sharing. I know it's nerve-wracking to be able to come up here and share. But let's thank all our students who had that privilege and the opportunity to come up here and just share a little bit of their heart about this trip. Thank you all. And the last thing I wanted to share, or not really me, somebody else I wanted to share, is the needs, all right? Uh, at, at Junction Church, they are a small church. Uh, most of their membership is actually through these sports camps, okay? So we had the opportunity, yes, we had about 50 in one camp, but the morning camp, completely different kids of about 30 or close to 40 more. So we had the opportunity to really touch uh, more like 90 uh, students during this time. And out of that, they may get one or two families. That's how closed uh, the community is. And so they are growing. It's awesome. But they do have a couple of needs. And these are something I want to share with you. Actually, not me. I want someone to share with you who've actually been there for quite a while. So uh, let's listen to one of our college students about some of the needs that they have. Hey, Buck Creek. I'm so excited to be with you guys kind of this morning. I just wanted to let you know that College and Career did awesome this week at Junction. Um, we looked forward to having them back, and they definitely did what they needed to do and worked hard. So we really appreciate that, as well as your prayers that you sent with them this week. That We saw so many gospel conversations through our team, and that's just awesome. I um, just want to let you guys know that Junction is so fabulous. Just be praying for the rest of our camps. We have two more left of the summer, and I'll be back home with you guys, as well as our pastor search team as we continue to um, Hey, Buck Creek. Oh, it was an awesome, awesome privilege to see Carson again. Uh, She's wearing herself out uh, week in and week out doing these camps. So many various ones. Music, drama, soccer, t-ball. Uh, in two weeks, they're going to actually be doing like a, a, a VBS on steroids, okay? So that's where they're going to actually reach over 100 students uh, during this camp. And so she has been out where she has been representing Jesus Christ in Buck Creek very well. You should be very proud of the missionary that we sent uh, this summer. Thank you, Jesus, for Carson. And thank you for the Parnells for allowing them the privilege of having her for the summer. So why in the world did we go? Why did we go, church? Why do Christ followers do what they do? Why do we love Canada? Why do we go? Why do you give? And again, I want to say thank you for your giving. Because of you, 
our students were able to go. Uh, we do kind of two types of, of uh, giving when it comes to this Canada mission trip. Number one, there's some funds that need to be pooled in together for airline tickets, gas, car rentals, hotels, all that type of stuff. And that was that over $10,000 that you raised that they did not have to touch. And so for that, I want to say thank you, church, for having a missions heart. Okay? And because of that, uh, we do want to give you a gift. As you leave, there's uh, cake pops on both sides here, and there's even some on the outside. And what you do is you'll notice it, it's got Canada colors, and it says, thank you so much. This is what our college team wanted to give you just as a, uh, as, as a visual to be able to say thank you for supporting not only our college and career students, but supporting the mission of God, the very heart of God is to go out and to spread the gospel in all nations. And just to kind of give you an idea, if you've never had a, a, a cake pop before, first of all, it's round. It's got an icing on the, on the cover. It says, thank you. And that's amazing. I'm just telling you, it is absolutely amazing. So you do not want to miss getting one of these. Um, probably shouldn't have done that. But anyway, moving on. Why do we do what we do? First of all, why do we love? Church, why do we love? We love because he loved us. Because Christ Jesus loved us. Think about this truth. We love because we have been loved. There are people right here in our community. I know for a fact there are people in Canada that do not feel loved. So they don't even know how to express love. But we have a generous God who loves in an amazing way. 1 John 4, 19 says this. We love because he first loved us. Jesus Christ is our example. He's our motivation to love other people. It doesn't matter who they are. We are to, this is crazy. Jesus Christ loved his enemies, to which we say, thank you, God, because we were his enemies at one time. We were the ones that would run away from him instead of towards his love and mercy. We'd run away from him and many times just wanting to receive wrath. But it's by the grace and the mercy and the kindness of God that led us to, to know who he was and led us to salvation. We now know what love is. And we must love other people. John would go on and unpack this more and say in 1 John 4, 7-12. through 12, He would say, Beloved, let us love one another. Why? For love is from God. Love originates from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So listen, we cannot, we cannot fully understand what love is, nor can we understand how to give it away unless we have been born of God, unless we know God. And if you do, you can't help but to love other people. He goes on to say, anyone who does not love does not know God. Because why? Because God is love. It's his very nature. He says, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. We cannot live this life on our own. We'll always be in trouble 
Without him, we could do nothing. But because he came, because he loved, because he manifested himself among us, we now can live. How? Through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The word propitiation means this. Jesus Christ, of his own will and desire, chose to take the wrath of God on my behalf and on yours. See, I was headed toward a Christless eternity in a place called hell. Hell, and I was running towards it. In my sin, in my disregard of God, and in my love of myself, sin, and Satan. And because of God's love, he stopped me. And he caused me to look at him. And he said, you know what? There's a lot that you owe God. There is a lot because of my sin. My sin, not his, my sin. But Jesus said, if you would put your faith and trust in me, I will satisfy that wrath. I will, I will pay for your sin on your behalf. I will be your propitiation. And because of everyone who has put their faith and trust in Christ, you can cling to the truth of this verse that he is the wrath satisfier, the propitiation for your sins. And he says, beloved, if God so loved us, how should we react to that? It says, we ought also to love one another. Right? If we have experienced that type of love, that type of forgiveness, that type of grace from Almighty God, whom we have sinned the most to, then we should love one another. Listen, and I say this with absolute assurance that what I'm saying is true. No one, no one has ever sinned against you as much as you have sinned against God. Yet. Hard as that is. We are called to love. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another. The scripture says God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. That is why we love Church, that is why we love. And Christ is our example. Second, why go? Why go? We go because he came. That's why we go. We go because he came. Again, he is our example. Matthew 20, 28 says this. Even as the Son of Man came, Jesus Christ came. But listen, he came for a reason. He came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for Many. Luke 19.10 would say it succinctly in this way. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. How many of you were once lost? Raise your hand. How many of you are found? Raise your hand. Jesus is good at hide and seek. And boy, I had a lot to hide. (laughs) And yet he found me. And by the way, he knows every one of us. He knows exactly where we're at. I pray you would receive him if you haven't. Jesus said in John 20, 21, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, and we know why he was sent, 
Even so, Jesus says, I am sending you. I'm sending the college and career team. I'm sending the youth. I'm sending our children. I am sending our parents. I'm sending our adults. I'm sending our senior adults to accomplish the mission that Jesus has begun. Jesus was sent to save us. He was the one who has given now us that message. And now we are sent. We are to go to others so they too can be saved through the same message that you and I have received. How selfish would that be for us to receive the goodness and the grace of God through his glorious gospel that Jesus died to forgive every one of our sins if we would call upon him in saving faith. And we were to take that great news and keep it to ourselves. That is the greatest show of selfishness that this world will ever know. Why do we do what we do? Why give? (laughs) Why give? Church, why do we give? We give because he gave. Again, Christ is our example. John 3, 16 and 17, which by the way was the last uh, devotion that our children did this week. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Church, God is a giver. Say God is a giver. God is a giver. And the proof of that is you. You're here today. You're here today because God gave. Why does God give? Because he loves. God gives because he loves. And he came to make the mission. The mission. Of making disciples, he made it possible. And us. He calls us to give. When we give to Canada Missions, when we give to the missionaries that we support, when we give with our with our offerings every single week to support this church and the ministries, the various ministries that this church supports. Are you kidding me? Church, I don't I don't know if I person. I'm pastor here. I don't know if I realize the magnitude of the privilege that we have to be a part of the the mission of God and our giving helps to move it forward. Did you know, you may not see this on, on Sunday morning during Sunday school or Wednesday night, but did you know that we have the opportunity to minister to over 40 preschool children, including our nursery, 40 of them right here on Sunday morning. Little side note, they really could use our help <laughs> if you want to sign up for nursery. 40 kids. While we're out here, the 200 of us out here, there's 40 back there. 40 people that we have the privilege of ministering to. That's why we give. You know also why we give? Because we have over 40 Elementary age kids. Did you realize that? Just in our membership, in our guest roles, 40 children. That's why we give. So that they can become disciples and disciple makers. That's why we pay these light bills. 
That's why we, we buy baby wipes. That's why we buy curriculum. So that these people can get ministered to you. We, did you know we have over 25, 30 people that we can connect with in our youth ministry. Do the math. It's adding up, isn't it? It's adding up. These are people that we have a privilege and opportunity to serve whenever we give. When we give of our tithes and our offerings, it goes to this. It's more than just paying uh, the water bill for, for the youth room across the street. The reason we pay those bills is so that we have a place that we can pour our lives into our children. Did you know that our small group reaches, I don't know, 150, 180 people on a given week? It's because of your giving that we're able to move the mission of God forward. It's because of your giving that 10 college and career students, and there would have been more, by the way, there were, there were five that went last year that could not go this year. They wanted to. But it's because of your giving that now their spiritual growth is just climbing exponentially because of your giving. Your generous giving. Jesus gave generously. It says that he looked forward to the cross according to uh, Hebrews chapter 12. He didn't despise it. Shame. He wanted to give to save you. And we give so that the mission of God can continue to move forward. So no matter what it is, the dollar, the penny, uh, whatever the check you put in, whatever you, however you give online, all of that is for the furtherance of the kingdom of God. And that's why we give. God is a giver and he calls us to be a giver. And we have a huge responsibility. I've said this statement before. John Piper says, there are three types of Christians when it comes to missions. There are zealous goers. These are the people that, man, they want to go. Okay? They feel the call of God on their life. And a lot of times their biggest burden is finances. And they're ready to go. They're zealous to go. And then there are zealous senders. There are zealous givers. These are people that may not be able to make it. Maybe this year they can't because of whatever the case may be. Or maybe they can't because of other reasons. Health, whatever the case may be. But they want to be part of the mission of God. So they give. They pray. They help to send. So you are either a jealous goer. Uh, excuse me, a zealous goer. A zealous sender, giver, or you're disobedient. Because of all the whys, right? Why do we go? Because he came. Why do we love? Because he loved. Why do we give? Because he gave. There is no third option. We've got to be zealous in our giving and our going. But listen, I get it. The task is overwhelming. Uh, whenever I said we owed... Uh, $11,000. How'd you feel about that? <laughs> that was kind of overwhelming, especially a college student, but I got, I got three kids in college now. That's overwhelming. And that's two of us, me and one of my daughters going. $11,000 sounds overwhelming. Was that overwhelming to God? What I have come to learn is that if God calls, God provides. And he did it Through the faithful giving of his church. 
we were able to do that. I encourage you, keep giving. Because every dollar, every penny that you give is going to be used to further the mission of God. But the task does seem overwhelming. And when it does, we need to cling to these last three truths. Listen to this. My confidence in God's mission and the faithfulness of his going is based on these three truths. Number one, the power of God is available to everyone who believes. Little Melissa, who lives in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Little child who has little access to the gospel. If that little girl believes in Jesus Christ as her personal Lord and Savior, what does the scripture say about her? She's saved. That girl is saved. That is absolutely amazing to think. Look at what, what the scripture says. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to who? Everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. My My confidence is in the power of God that's available to everyone who believes. And that's why we love, that's why we go, and that's why we give. Number two, I have confidence in this. The one with all authority, church. The one with all authority is behind this mission. And the one with all authority, what's his name? Jesus Christ. Listen to what the scripture says. Matthew 28, in our call, Jesus came to his disciples and all those who gathered around and said, all authority in heaven and on earth. You know what that means? All authority in heaven and on earth was given to him. That means that everything in heaven, every created thing in heaven, angels, crazy animals, read about it in Revelation. Okay, crazy things in heaven, every one of them At the name of Jesus. You know what that means church? Every molecule on this earth and in this universe. When God says go, it must go. If God says stop, it must stop. All authority. All authority is given to Christ. And what does God do with all of this authority? Does God choose with all of this authority to squash all sin and sinners like a bug? He's got every right to. But instead, he takes that authority, all authority in heaven on earth. And he uses it to save his enemies. It says all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Everything is under his feet. Because of that, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. All authority is behind this mission. It won't fail, church. It won't fail. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the great promise we have is that we're not alone. He says to observe everything that I have commanded you. And he says this in closing. I am with you always till the end of the age. Are you kidding me? God, Jesus Christ is with us. He's leading. He's moving. He's supporting the mission. And we get to be a part of it. The third thing that I have confidence in 
is that God is all in. You know, I may split my, my uh, resources, I may split my loyalties, but God doesn't. God doesn't. God is all in when it comes to this mission. He is all in and he calls us to be as well. Listen to this. God says in Romans 8, 31 and 32, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He, speaking of God, he who did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? What this tells me is God is all in. Church, are we all in? I mean, the one thing he has called us to do, I want you to make disciples. Don't worry. Uh, this call has got all authority back behind it. Not only is all authority behind it, I'm not just sending you away as a king would say, go to another country and deal with this. The king is coming with us. He says that he is with us always until the end of the age. And not only that, he says, all my resources, all my resources, all things are backing this up. Can't lose if Christ is the head of this church. We cannot lose. The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. God gives us salvation. He gives us everything we need to accomplish the task. Nobody, nobody, nobody wants this mission accomplished more than God. You love your spouse who doesn't know Christ? And more. You love your child who has ran away from the faith. God loves them more. He desires their salvation more than you do. So it's good for you to pray for your kid's salvation. Because that prayer is landing on the ears of someone who agrees with you. So much, in fact, that God would make these two statements in Scripture. 1 Timothy 2.4, speaking about praying for all people. He says this, this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So it's good for us to love, it's good for us to go, and it's good for us to give. Why? Because that's exactly the heart of God. It's the heartbeat of God and every one of his beats. Listen to Second uh, Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow uh, to fulfill his promise as, as we count slowness, but God is patient towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. There are some of us today, and I, me included, we want Christ to come back today. If he does not, if he does not come back today, that's mercy. Because he's extending our time for somebody else to receive him. Do you think God likes sin? No, he doesn't. I'm sure in his heart he's wanting today to reconcile all things. But he's got a greater will, a greater heart than I can ever understand. Christ can come back today. And a lot of me hopes he does. I don't want to live one more day inside. I don't want my kids to, to live one more day with sin slapping them upside the head. For them either sinning or being sinned against. I don't want that. I want Christ to come back today and to reconcile all things. Right all wrongs and all that. But if God chooses not to. 
It's because he's still drawing people to himself. One more day of sin or living in a sin-filled world. One more day of living in a sin-filled world is okay if that means the, the eternal salvation of another. He's got that figured out. So I close with this thought. Where are you at in this? The heart of God is to save you. The heart of God is to release you from your life of sin. The heart of God is to call you to be a missionary. Every one of you. In your workplace, at your home place, any place in the world. The call of God is for you to get connected to a body of believers who have the same heart and the passion that God has so that we can encourage each other while it's still called today. That you and I together can love this world. Together, we can go all over the world, even across the street. That we can all give so that the mission of God moves forward. God is all in. How about you? Let's pray. God, you're good. Oh, God, you're good. God, you're amazing. God, you're right in all things. God, you are a great, compassionate, merciful, loving God who chases the one God, chase another today. God, please, call another to your saving faith. Father God, I pray that if there's someone in this room today that has never called upon the name of the Lord in saving faith, help them to realize that they are lost. Help them to realize that you have been patient with them for a long time. And that your desire... It's for that person to have eternal life, not to perish. God, encourage them that today is the day to repent. Today is the day to turn their life from sin and towards Christ. Turn to you in faith. God, my prayer is for the believer who has chosen this day, this week, this month, this year to be a prodigal. To walk away from you, Father God, and to chase after the things that they once chased after. They have forgotten the goodness of God. God, my prayer this morning is that they would see that you are a good, good Father. And that they would come home. Father God, my prayer is for those who you have been speaking to. About reaching their friend, their neighbor, their coworker. God, you have already given them the call on their life. Help us to be faithful. God, my prayer this morning is for that young man, young woman, elderly man, elderly woman. If we have heard your call to go into the mission field and we have said no, May this morning be the day where we say yes. For the glory of your son, who is worth 
our loving, our going, and our giving. We pray this in Christ's name.